Hi, this is John Byrne with Poets of Quants. Welcome to another episode in our deep dive at Cornell University's College of Business. Today, we're going to talk about sustainability. And we have Mark Milstein, clinical professor and director of the Center for Sustainable Global Enterprise at the College of Business at Cornell, and Glenn Dowell, a professor of management and organization. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here. So how does the school treat sustainability for actually for students? What do students get out of this? Well, uh, you know, we've had a program here that goes back into the late 1990s, early 2000s, with the center having been established in 2003. And for the students, really, what the program is doing is getting them to understand what the business opportunities are around sustainability. Right. And are there classes or are there courses that are automatically where sustainability issues are embedded? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I teach a class called Strategies for Sustainability. That is a one and a half credit elective for the students, but it's also part of the sustainable global enterprise immersion that Mark leads. And he can certainly fill you in more on that. Yeah, the coursework, some of it, uh, like Glenn's class or or the Sustainable Global Enterprise Immersion Program are explicitly about sustainability. We have speakers classes as well, where we've got professionals coming in and, and talking about how they're dealing with sustainability in their organizations, whether it's a strategic issue, whether it's a functional issue. But then there's also the, the approach that we take with regard to coursework, which is some classes are more focused on general business issues with um, sustainability cases that come into it. Some classes are simply about whatever their topic is. So if you look at a management cases class where students can work on consulting projects in general. There's often uh, several of those that'll have uh, sustainability-related content to them. So it it permeates so that students have got a lot of options and how they can um, address the issue and and learn about it. Right, because the ultimate goal is to turn out people who can make really good business decisions and understand the particular challenges that sustainability, whether it's social or environmental issues, pose and the opportunities for companies that are trying to solve it. So we have in other courses, social entrepreneurship, for example, that really gets people to think about how can businesses, either you know, entrepreneurial ventures that are founded explicitly to address these issues or entrepreneurship within larger corporations to look at how the company can try to make you know, sustainability issues a strategic imperative. One other thing I'd add, John, is is that Cornell, sustainability is a pretty big issue at the university as a whole, and and we've got a lot of expertise on campus. So there's a there's a network of over, I think it's now 500 faculty working on sustainability from different angles. And so we're often encouraging our students, depending on what their interest areas might be energy, might be uh, food and agriculture, might be economic development, to go seek out faculty peers that we have around campus and add their classes to their curriculum because our students can take a quarter of their classes outside of the College of Business. Ah, okay, right. Yep. And now, while it's clear to me that sustainability is a hot topic in the sense that corporations are very interested and keen on this, and certainly millennials and society in general considers this a key priority, at the same time, we have sort of a national political agenda that seems to run in an opposite course. And I'm wondering, has that affected the momentum that the whole movement towards sustainability has had? Actually, I think, if anything, it has really solidified the movement among the 
the business leaders and the students who really understand the issues. So, you know, for example, in 2017, we uh, had a contingent from Cornell attend the COP meetings, you know, the, the UN uh, meetings around climate change. And right. the U.S. was had already announced that it wasn't going to participate in the Paris Accord. The U.S. federal delegation, bizarrely, was there to talk about coal. And um, huh. and this was met by a, a really strong contingent of state and local governments and corporations that were declaring we're still in because they understand that it doesn't really matter what one particular set of people think about climate change. The, the issue is is going to continue and we have to do something. And if, if they're going to attract young, talented managers, scientists, engineers, they have to be serious about these issues. It's, it's just an imperative. So I think if anything, we've seen that at least among the among the subset of companies that really understand this and take it seriously, it's done nothing but solidify their right their resolve. I would agree with that. You look at the students, and as I think you pointed out, John, that for our graduate students are in their you know on average they're in their late twenties. They've been exposed to environmental science and social issues now from their preschool days right up through their their secondary and post secondary education. And they don't think it's a fad. It's meaningful to them, both in terms of the products and services that they purchase and the companies where they want to work. And if you turn to industry itself, that stakeholder group says it really doesn't matter what the administration in Washington is doing. The science behind the trends that are out there is, is solid. They can see the direction things are going. And they want to position their companies strategically to be able to compete in the future. So I don't see a lot of folks taking what's going on in Washington very seriously, other than to lament the fact that, you know, if anything, it's it's putting the U.S. at something of a competitive disadvantage not to attack these issues more aggressively because there are, there are other countries that are. And what we're trying to do is we're staying focused on, on what the business trends are and what the opportunities are in the marketplace. And, and we really don't have to get caught up in the politics of it other than to note, you know, what's the challenge then that presents to trying to take action in the marketplace. Right. Sure. Well, this is a good place to say, okay, what is in fact the business case for sustainability? Well, for, for us, I mean, one of the things that, that has always been a hallmark of the, of the program for us here at Cornell has been to say there's a lot of different ways in which companies can engage in sustainability. You can, you can look at sustainability and define it as a compliance approach and, and wanting to stay within either the law or, or within industry norms. You can look at sustainability as one of clear communication with stakeholder groups and, and wanting to be able to really communicate out your values as an organization to stakeholders to, to try to convey that your values are their values and vice versa. And when they have choices, they should choose you. But the thing that the, the area where we think uh, the private sector has a more unique role to play with regard to sustainability is on the revenue generation side. It's addressing social and environmental issues through the products and the services that they develop and innovate and bring to market and sell. And so that's what we're trying to focus our program and our students and the partners we work with on is what is good business decision making around sustainability so that the way in which the private sector gets involved in sustainability has a unique offering in the space over and above aid, philanthropy, and other approaches that other sectors might take. Right. So 
I mean, there's, it's really been well documented that taking a more serious approach to sustainability can reduce a company's risk, can lower costs at, at the sort of low-hanging fruit aspects of sustainability, and that's great. But to get the attention of top management in any company, it's opportunity that really speaks, right? How can we grow? How can we be more exciting? How can we be a, a, a more vibrant place to work and a better, have a better top line prospects? And that's what we talk about here and what we try to, to work through with our students and with our partners. So we think about what's the innovation case? How do we think about solving problems and not just doing a little less badly, but actually trying to mitigate some of the real social and environmental challenges that this you know, society, both here and, and around the world, face? And that's what we think is more compelling. And I imagine you expose your students partly to this topic by case studies, right? We, we expose them to it directly by getting them to actually work on consulting type projects directly with companies that are grappling with these issues, actually. Oh, that's great. And, and with case studies. And we're with case still, studies, we're yeah. still, <laughs> Sure. We're, we're in a business school. We have yeah. to use those. But yeah, we, we do both. There's hands-on, hands-on projects that Mark has been leading for a long time and that really get our students into the nitty-gritty of not just recognizing the opportunity, but how do you implement it within an organization, which is often the bigger challenge. Right. And then case studies that try to show both, you know, both successes and failures because those are important. Well, give me a good example of uh, hands-on learning that you've recently had your students engage in. Well, one of them that we did this past spring was with Cargill. And, you know, here, here's a, a big agricultural entity that is looking at consumer trends around beef and well aware of what the uh, carbon footprint of the of the beef value chain looks like and the problem that poses in the face of climate change and the, and the challenge that climate change itself poses in terms of just raising, processing, and bringing beef to market. And so there's a lot of different alternatives out there. What we were looking at was moving away from just the dichotomy of eat meat or don't eat meat, but looking at what's in between and what the competitive landscape is looking like going forward. So that includes, of course, what's gotten a lot of press lately are, are the plant-based uh, non-meat alternatives, things like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. But one of the things we were also looking at with them were what uh, you might think of as low-carbon beef alternatives. So different feeds that could reduce the enteric emissions from cattle. Now, that may not be a long-term solution for climate change, but it becomes part of the way in which you can lower the carbon emissions from that particular value chain. But there's all kinds of questions around whether those products really belong in the marketplace, whether consumers would be amenable to them, whether folks within the value chain, from all the way from the farmers that are raising cattle all the way to the retail outlets that are, that are selling uh, beef, would want to carry that kind of product, how they would market it. And so students had a chance to really understand all of these issues and start to come up with an analysis of the marketplace. How do you position a product like that? Who's amenable to it? Who pays what in the marketplace for it? So that's one example of, of a project that we just worked on. That's great. Now give me a good example of a case study that might be a quintessential case study in sustainability. Sure. So a case study that I actually wrote with a former MBA student and former immersion participant looks at BMW's attempt to supply cobalt for electric cars. So we have this issue, right? And we are seeing, of course, an increasing 
demand for batteries, particularly lithium-ion batteries used in so many devices and in the growing electric car market. And there are a couple of problems with this, right? So one is that the majority of the supply of cobalt comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo and is mined under horrible conditions. And the other is that the price for cobalt can fluctuate dramatically and put a real crimp into companies prospects or, or projections of profit. And so what we looked at is what are the steps in in securing a supply of cobalt and doing so in a way that is ethical. And so when a company is trying to do what we might think of as a clean tech approach, so BMW's made significant investments in their electric car line, and they actually are considered one of the cleanest producers in the automobile industry. They've been annually seen as as the top uh, environmental company in the automobile industry and they care about these things but they also have a challenge if we want to sell more electric cars how do we do it in a way that we are not reliant upon essentially human trafficking in the cobalt mining and so how do we innovate our way out of this how do we secure long-term supply how do we audit our suppliers in order to feel better about what we think is an environmentally preferred alternative in terms of electric cars and so we, you know, we walk through, walk students through the supply chain for cobalt. We look at the issues around how you actually can monitor that supply, and what are the alternatives for a company that really wants to produce an environmentally preferable vehicle, but also do so in a socially ethical manner. So, in both the Cargill hands-on case uh, or project rather, and the cobalt case, obviously students are having to use critical thinking and problem-solving skills which, of course, today is sort of a basic level of, of way of thinking in MBA programs and including graduate business programs. How, in general, is critical thinking and problem-solving skills useful in this space? So I think it's absolutely essential. And we actually, um, we've had an elective on critical thinking dating back a decade or more. And then about five years ago, we moved it into the core. And so we have uh, both for our, our two-year MBA and our uh, one-year program here and the one-year program in our New York Tech campus, our students have a required class in critical thinking, which is, you know, has several goals. One of them is to make them better at, at working through business cases and, and, you know, case interviews and that sort of pragmatic goal. But the other is just to turn them into more polished and uh, adept thinkers when there are non-routine and unusual and important strategic decisions to be made. So we've we found it it seems to be a really valuable skill, not surprisingly. I mean, you see all the headlines about how recruiters and, and well, recruiters in particular are interested in critical thinking and find it not as supplied to the extent they would like. And our, you know, anecdotal evidence from our own program is that it has been really valuable for our students. And then we reinforce it in courses like Mark's uh, immersion uh, project class and in my own where, you know, you have to be able to think through the problem in a, in a really method, in a really methodical way and step and ask yourself, are you falling prey to the kind of decision making traps and biases that that plague us so often? And if I, if I could add to that, I, I think one of the things that's interesting that's, that's occurred over time is, you know, if you go back 15, 20 years, 
in, in this space, it was enough for students to say they were really interested in social and environmental issues and in sustainability, and, and that sort of branded them in a certain way. Now, that's it, it's so much more common for students to just have that concern. We, we get students who say, well, we're really interested in sustainability, but, you know, I don't know that I want to take a sustainability job. And, and we shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's fine. I, you know, I'm not exactly sure what a quote unquote sustainability job is. What, what you, you know, you came to business school to become a better decision maker, a leader, somebody who, who can really analyze problems uh, and, and come up with, with good solutions to that. What better context for understanding those, you know, for developing those skills and understanding the application of them than looking at issues of sustainability that are vague, that are ambiguous, that are that, that have no right answer to them, that companies are trying to figure out now that are going to be out there impacting your career for the next 20, 30 years. And so to that extent, that's really one of the interesting things we've seen in our program is students gravitating towards it, not necessarily because they're really passionate about the social or environmental issue that they may be passionate about, but because they realize it's such fertile ground for being able to exercise these skills and demonstrate them to themselves, to potential employers, to others, and, and really put themselves in a better position over time for, for, for better and more successful careers. Right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the issues around sustainability are often issues around companies not having thought through the implications of what they've done of what they produce, of how they produce it, of the end of life of, of their products, of you know the demands that they put on ecosystems and, and social systems. And critical thinking is a way of saying, let's not just let's not just say, well, we've done it that way before, let's keep doing it. It's stepping back and asking what are the what are the steps that got us here and how can we fix those processes? So it's really important. And I think it's increasingly important because we have companies, you know, you started the you started the podcast by saying it's you didn't say fad, but you said it's an, you know, an increasing trend or you know, and it sort of comes out like a fad. Uh, <laughs> and critical thinking is is you know, asking people why are we doing this? What is right. the goal of this sustainability initiative? What's the driver? Right. What, what is the what's driver? Really what's the motive? Mm -hmm. And and then how do we work toward satisfying the reason we started out to do this as opposed to just blindly saying sustainability is really important to some groups so let's go do something and i think that's what we try to instill in the students well and what i'd amend to, to what you just said was you know you, you're you gave a really good description of how companies are, are will look at what they've done and, and and the impact of 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 what that's been and and i think the other side of it that we really stress to students is just passion about social environmental issues in and of itself in in the role of being uh, an effective manager is is not enough there's got to be a compelling reason why an organization is going to do something and so if you want to see companies be some kind of agent of change you have to think about what the mechanisms for that are going to be and if it's going to be through development and commercialization of new products and services over time then that passion around that social environmental issue is not going to lead to market success just because you want it to. You really have to you really have to attack these issues with a lot of depth and rigor in order to figure out what the opportunity in the marketplace can be, how a product or service needs to be developed and commercialized over time. And, and those are the things that we're really emphasizing right. with our students. And how to fit it into the company in which you're operating, right? So the other Absolutely. part of this is the implementation. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I mentioned the BMW case. There's no business case to be made in BMW for making a boring car that's more environmentally friendly, 
right? Or there's no business case in Nike for making a shoe that doesn't perform as well, but it has a, you know, zero waste footprint, no pun intended, right? There's just hmm. nothing. You have to know what is the, the key driver of business success in the company, what are the, what's the culture of the company, and how to make this initiative fit within that and then make the business case. Right. And I'm assuming that all this comes alive in the sustainable global enterprise immersion that you teach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And in the companion courses. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, and I would say it's, re, it's, it's also reinforced. I mentioned there's a couple of speakers classes that we have where, where we have executives coming in and talking to students. We're, we're very specific about in those courses, not simply piping in folks from afar. We want them here so that students can interact with them directly, can spend some some more time with them in, in uh, you know smaller group settings to really probe these issues and, and understand what that looks like from, from leaders' positions and the issues that they have to deal with. And we also we also take students out into the field. So we'll take them to New York every year. We'll take them to Washington, D.C. We'll help them go to San Francisco, sometimes Boston, so that they're meeting executives from a variety of organizations, not just not just companies, but but civil society, uh, government agencies. Again, it's to it's to get a sense from different angles about how these issues present themselves in different contexts. Great, Mark and Glenn, thank you so much for a really uh, compelling conversation. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. It was great. All right, this is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Join us for our continuing series which is a deep dive into the Johnson College of Business at Cornell University. We just were discussing with Mark Milstein and Glenn Dowell the SGE immersion, that would be the Sustainable Global Enterprise for that acronym, and the business case for sustainability. Thanks for listening.